This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich off sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. There are sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome to the Jay and Silent Rob podcast. Jay Swa, what's cracking? Nothing much, Rob. How are things? Uh, it's 2020. Uh, things are going well. It's a little wintry out here in, in mm-hmm. January in, in the D.C. area. Uh, how are things in Arizona? Things are good. A little cloudy. Uh, cloudy with a chance of war. Am I right? No, no one's talking about that in this region. Everyone's just being, being real. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting times around here. Uh, I mean, hey, we're still alive. We're still making podcasts. So what can we what can we complain about? But uh, you know, I don't know. World War Three be kind of cool. Been kind of bored lately. Especially basketball season is going to end. So I don't know. Right. Be kind of cool if March, April, a war just broke out for just maybe a couple months. Um, but have yeah. you seen? Have you seen any? Um... Any lines on uh, on war? <laughs> I will keep you all posted on it. Um, Please let me know. Markets out there. Every with every Trump tweet, it, it definitely changes with our mm-hmm. with our leader and mm-hmm. the the confidence the world has on him. So it's good. It's good. Life's good. Um, a lot of sports coming up. Uh, culmination of the NFL and college football season is, is upon us. College basketball season, or at least for conference plays, one weekend and. and um, I've learned a lot. We'll, we'll get to that kind of the, the later part of the show, the meat uh, part of the show, if you will. Um, but uh, before we get started with that, let's talk about the old uh, Roger Ball, the old NFL. Um, did you catch any of these weekend's games? The Saints get fucked again. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but it was very unfortunate, uh, especially as somebody who had some money on the Saints. But uh, here we are again. I did, dude. I did catch that, and I caught um... – what was the really exciting one Saturday night? Saturday night, the New uh, England game that lost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think everyone awesome. rejoiced. Everyone rejoiced the Patriots losing. It, it cost me money, but it, everyone was just happy. And yeah, I luckily leveraged my position off that, so I'm like heavy on the Chiefs now, which I will then like split in half with the Ravens. We'll talk about that, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of cut and dry. Uh, I think there's really only one game this weekend. Obviously, there's four games. Uh, the first being Minnesota versus San Francisco. Um, Minnesota went down to New Orleans, stole a game, I thought, down there. I mean, actually, they, they played well. New Orleans also shot themselves in the foot. They had, like, a stupid turnover at the end of the half, which gave Minnesota the momentum and a lead. Um, but this Minnesota team on the road, especially outside of domes this year, has really been bad. San Francisco, you get the week off to prepare. They, they got their defense healthy. Uh, they're seven-point favorite. I wouldn't be surprised to see this close seven and a half. Obviously, seven points being a, a major number. Um, I have I leveraged off some of my Saints positioning onto this San Francisco, so I, I'm got plenty of rooting interest for the on the Niners. But yeah, I, I'd be pretty shocked if the the Vikings made another upset here. Uh, so that's the first game this weekend. I think you pretty confidently can take San Francisco. Um, then the night game, Saturday night, Baltimore versus Tennessee. It's actually going to be in the 60s here in Baltimore area, which is kind of crazy. Baltimore's a 10-point favorite. I, I think they're just going to they're going to kind of handle handle Tennessee. 
Um, just Tennessee is, is really not that bad of a team. It's just more about Baltimore having the, the rest, time to prepare, uh, and just being a, a dynamic offense. Um, so pretty boring here. But, yeah, Baltimore should should take care of it. And being a 10-point favorite in the playoffs should say enough. I mean, that that's an impressive – it's an implied win rate of like 80 85% of the time. So um, it's there for a reason. Uh, then moving to Sunday, Houston at Kansas City. I actually think Kansas City is the best team remaining. Uh, they're nine and a half point favorites against Houston. Houston did beat them in Kansas City earlier this year. Houston, though, um, a lot more injuries this time around. Kansas City much healthier. Kansas City also playing a lot better. Defense has played a lot, lot better. Patrick Mahomes healthier. Um, yeah, I think Kansas City is the best team going right now. Um, then leads us to Seattle Green Bay, which I think is the only real kind of toss-up game of the weekend. Uh, I'm not even it's not because I think Seattle's that great. I just think Green Bay is not that good. Four and a half point favorite versus uh, a team who's going to play their second road game coming back across the country with Seattle after they went to Philadelphia and be like a backup team. Uh, I just don't really think any of the Seattle or Green Bay is really that good. But it's like a de facto more of closer to a pick 'em. So if I had to bet, I would take Seattle plus the four and a half. Uh, but I will not be invested in this game. I, I do have a future I leveraged on Green Bay when uh, a couple weeks back when they had a chance of being the one seed. And just really having those buys is such a, a big advantage. I know I've talked about it in the past. Um, but really, I think that's the only kind of game that's t- a toss up th- this weekend. Uh, I'd be shocked if any of the other three upsets were to occur. Um, but yeah, really it's kind of looking like the Kansas city Baltimore game that should be next weekend for the AFC championship is kind of being the de facto super bowl. They're, they're clearly the two best teams. If they meet, it will be in Baltimore. Baltimore will probably be like a one to two point favorite just because of the home field. Um, that'll be a hell of a game. Um, like I said, I, I, I do think Kansas city is the, is the better team, but it's not by much. And with the home field advantage, it probably makes it close to a, a true pick 'em 50-50 scenario. But we'll get there once once we cross those bridges. Um, anything jump out to you, Rob, about the the good old Roger Ball? Uh, is any of that make sense? Is that any of that surprising to you? Uh, obviously, everything is subject to change. But those are my my humble humble thoughts on these games. No, no, this checks out. I think one thing contextually that's goofy that I learned for the first time this week is just how old Lamar Jackson is. He is last time I checked, not even 23 years old. Correct. And not even a rookie. Yeah. And he's actually, it's like the second or third time that the Heisman winner has been older than the MVP of the NFL. So Joe Burrow is older. Yeah. So Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson. So impress, uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to have a big party Monday for the national title game and go ahead and impress your friends uh, with that one. Yes, yes. But that's wild that Baltimore is, you know, everyone's startling and the favorite. Um, it harkens back to some of the things you say about college basketball. With like, dude's just a bunch of kids with the ball bouncing around in a room like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> as yeah. incredible as he is, that youth really, really stands out to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one of the reasons where I'm actually am slightly more conservative uh, on the Ravens than that's kind of one of one of the reasons I like Kansas City more so than than Baltimore is just because Mahomes this is his third year as a professional. Uh and yeah, I mean experience is is worth a lot. You know, last year Kansas City should have beaten New England at home in the AFC Championship game and um 
you know, they, they kind of got screwed over. But that type of experience being in an AFC championship game is going to be massive. Uh, when, I, when I feel like they play Baltimore where, I mean, as talented as the Ravens have been, uh, there's no doubting that, uh, you know, youth is still youth. Inexperience is still inexperience. And, uh, I mean, that being said, it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's a very good point, Rob. It's a very, very good point. Uh, but now we'll move over to the old college football. There are two college games left, I think. One is like the Division One AA championship, and then the second is the the big one, Clemson at uh, I shouldn't say at LSU, but not too far from LSU, an hour away <laughs> in the in New Orleans. Uh, the game opened. LSU was a three point favorite, and now they are a five and a half. Some places six point favorite, just under a touchdown. The total is 70 points, so it's not like an NFL game where if it was a five-and-a-half, six-point favorite because they're, the, you know, they're expecting such a high number of points. Uh, Percentage-wise, that, that spread is, would be comparable to like a three, three-and-a-half point spread for like a normal NFL game. So like if you look at the Houston-Kansas City game, it's like almost 20 points less uh, from a total perspective. Uh, but still, LSU probably, you know, implied wins is 65-ish, 65%, uh, 63% of the times. I think it's closer to a true pick em. Uh I get why LSU money is coming in. I get why people want to back this team. Uh, I have a heavy position on Clemson. I will not be betting this pregame to hedge out. If Clemson takes a lead, I'll probably hedge out maybe a little based on what I see. But to me, I really think this is closer to 50-50. Clemson has won 29 straight games, maybe more leading back to the previous year. Uh, Obviously, beat Alabama in the National Championship last year. They've done nothing to disprove this. They beat Ohio State, which is a good team. LSU destroyed Oklahoma. I get that. LSU destroyed Georgia. I get that. Um, But, yeah, coming back to the experience things, uh, I I do think this is closer to a pick I'm already vested enough in Clemson, but I weren't. I would be making a bet on Clemson. Uh, any thoughts? Any, any? Um, you know, we went to a wedding in Baton Rouge uh, last last year, at the end of last year. I'm just trying to picture what that would look like if LSU were to win the national title. <laughs> just, I think from the 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 was an hour long drive, hour and a half long drive from LSU to to New Orleans, there would just be a, an epic party. And mm-hmm. I'm just trying to picture now um, yeah like a, i don't know like a 70 mile parade yeah yeah i don't know if cajun's party though so we'll, we'll yeah see. good question <laughs> no i think uh that's interesting that you're you know on the on the clemson sort of side of the fence i think it checks out i, I also recall i think last week or two episodes ago you had ohio state power ranked as highly or higher than lsu Right, right. I mean, LSU, I mean, they, they, this is one of the problems with football and college football specifically is just there's so few data points. So I get – and I've, up, I've upgraded them LSU-wise, power rankings-wise. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, a couple of weeks ago we would have had Clemson or Ohio State probably as a small favorite or like a pick em. So it's just showing you where, yeah, the market's changing, but at some point just like anything, Amazon stock, Tesla stock, whatever, like things get overpriced. And I do think we are at a, a spot where LSU is just overpriced from just strictly a market perspective. Now, of course, I could be wrong. Uh, I just think, um, you know, anything more than a touchdown here is just overreaction. But they could come out and just buzzsaw Clemson. And, and you know, that's the problem when you only play 14 games in, in a year. You know, it, it's hard with the data points. So, 
Um, LSU has done everything this year where they deserve to be the favorite. There's no doubt about it. If you look at their schedule, their wins are much better. They've had more impressive wins versus those teams. But um, football is just really a, a random game. And we're talking about one game where with a team with Clemson that has so much experience defending national champions. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's just my two cents. I'm not the best college football better in the world. I, I, I dropped it halfway through the year just because I was having more success with the NFL. There's no doubt about that. But those are my two cents. And I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, I know I'm going to be just loving life, having to stay up till 12 o'clock with uh, pretty much one of the bigger bets of my life on the line. Uh, so <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday, those kids are, you know, they might feel the wrath or they might be really happy. And I might just give out, you know, free A's. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, it, it'll be a fun watch. It'll be a fun watch. Um, but anything before we jump to the, uh, the hardwood, as the kids say. Let's get to the hardwood. Okay. All right. So I sent you over kind of my power rankings. Uh, I know there's a lot going on there. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go the four conferences I uh, cover and then just kind of college basketball a, a, as a whole. Uh, so one week into college basketball, what we've kind of learned, the ACC, I know I mentioned this last week, but it, even more so than I thought, the ACC is really down this year. There is one uh, title contending team, and they might be the best team in basketball, which is going to be happy you know, for me to say, but Duke, uh, they, they are legit. They, they have a lot of balance. They have probably the best player in uh, college basketball. There isn't like last year where Zion was clearly uh, the best but if you had to pick one, you could easily make the the argument uh, that that Vernon Carey is the is the best player. Uh, admittedly, I've only seen Duke play like twice this year, but numbers wise, they they are looking fantastic. Uh, I do think it is a very is a relatively weak ACC, uh, which usually I think the five of the last six years is like by far been the best conference. Ken Palm has them as the fourth conference right now. Um, now there's some things skewed to that. I don't think they're the fourth best. I think they're probably second maybe third, uh, but they've really usually been uh, above and beyond everyone else, especially the top half of the, of, the back, uh, of the conference. But this year, I see only one team clearly a national title contender. Louisville and Florida State are like that next tier just below, and I think Florida State's uh, better than Louisville as of right now. Uh, Florida State just beat Louisville at Louisville. They could both potentially creep up there, but right now it's only Duke that can contend. Uh, Virginia, which the last five years has probably been the best regular season program in college basketball, is is really bad this year. Uh, they just lost to Boston College. Um, Ken Palm has in 35th. Uh, the other rankings I use, Haslametrics, uh, has Virginia at 42nd. Um, and they're not even the least uh, underwhelming team. UNC is ranked after losing last night to Pittsburgh at home. Uh, which Pittsburgh is a, is a team that will not make the tournament this year. Uh, North Carolina is ranked 70th in uh, Kempom, and Haslametrics has them 112th. I mean, that's insane to think of North Carolina as a 112th team based on metrics halfway through a college basketball season. Uh, but that, that's what they have them in. The middle of the pack of, is bad as well. Syracuse, uh, Notre Dame, NC State. I mean, this, they might only get four or five teams in the tournament this year. In 2017, the ACC got nine teams and they broke a record. So really underwhelming this year um, as a whole, the, the ACC. So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing uh, to take away from the ACC. 
so we're, we're going to kind of play on that where we, there's a lot of teams like kind of on the same tier. We're going to look for coaching matchups, scheduling matchups, maybe back-to-back road games, things of that nature, uh, matchups in terms of schemes. Uh, so we will find angles to bet on this. But in terms of big picture wise, it's definitely taking an adjustment to um, to, to really just understand that the ACC is, is, is for their standards pretty bad. They're not terrible in the grand scheme of things, but for their standards, they are bad this year. Quite quite bad actually. Um, obviously, inter- feel free to interject with anything. But I was going to move on to the Big Twelve. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the ACC is is not elite. So it's, it's a weird phrase. Um, Kansas moving to the Big 12. So last year, Kansas did not win the Big 12 regular season championship for I think the first time in 13 years. Now it's kind of like back to to status quo. Kansas is clearly the best team. They are a national title contender. Um, they, they one con they have, at least I have from my my notes, is their point guard play isn't that great, but the rest is is fantastic. Point guard play obviously is quite important, uh, but they are a national title contender. Big 12 has two teams that are kind of like teetering right below uh, Baylor and West Virginia. I really actually think this West Virginia team might be better than the Baylor team or have a, have a chance to creep into the national title hunt right now. They're not, they, their offense isn't good enough, but with Huggy bear, their coach who I'm a big fan of, and they, they really switched styles. They're more big men oriented this year, uh, which is kind of like zigging while everyone's zagging to be more guard guard oriented. I think they have a higher ceiling than Baylor uh, even though Baylor is kind of ranked a little bit higher. Then moving to the next tier, this is kind of like a standard Big 12 where they have a lot of middling teams, teams on the same tiers. Uh, Texas Tech, great coaching. Offense isn't really there, um, but but really good coaching. And then the rest of the Big 12 is kind of teetering uh, at that 500 mark. They're going to kind of decapitate each other, eat, eating each other off, you know, uh, w- with games. Uh, but I will say the bottom of the conference is worse than it normally is. Um, Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State, they're really kind of bad, really bad this year for their standards. So um, top half, middle half, pretty normal for the Big 12. They're usually the second, third best conference, um, but their bottom half is really bad, worse than than average. Um, but yeah, so so kind of more similar for the Big 12, Big 12 though. <clears throat> um, next, we'll move to the Big 10, which is by far the best conference in basketball. Uh, it's kind of insane how much better the Big Ten is, better than any other conference. I only can remember maybe in 2017 when the ACC was kind of clearly uh, above and beyond everyone else. But this year, the Big Ten, and it's just all depth. They really only have one clear-cut true national title contender, which is Michigan State, who I think maybe is the best team uh, potentially, at least ceiling-wise this year. But uh, they have probably three teams that are right on the cusp of that with uh, – uh, Ohio State, Maryland, and Michigan, which could really kind of push up there. And then kind of more longer shots with Iowa, Purdue, and Penn State. Those three teams probably can't creep up there. They really need the stars to align. Uh, but still, that they're right in that tier below. I think all seven of those teams I just named are pretty much locks for the tournament. And then you easily have Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Indiana, and um, – and even Rutgers that could easily make it this year uh, to the tournament. So we're looking at potentially 10 teams, maybe even 11 teams making it, which would be a record. Um, we've already seen this year that home court is a huge thing with the uh, with Big Ten. 
Uh, a big angle I've been playing is just teams that are pretty much on that same tier length and waiting for them to have a really good performance and then waiting for them to go on the road and betting against them. Uh, every team has, has pretty much had their ups and downs so far. And, for example, Maryland is a team. I know tomorrow of them playing Iowa, I'm going to be all over Iowa because Maryland just had two back-to-back home games. They looked great in that. But they're, they're, it's a kind of tale of two cities based on um, the home and road splits. Uh, anything st- stand out to you there, Rob? Or are you just enjoying the fact that I'm giving the Big Ten compliments? Um, what are your yeah, thoughts there? Yeah, big Big Ten energy out of you. Um, no, that's good. I, I, I like the uh, the kind of like mean reversion strategy of the home and away splits. Um, of like, it reminds me of what you said at the beginning of the NFL season about the Titans, right? They're like got this box and they're unlikely to stay too far above this or too far below this, what you just described with Maryland, where it's like, yeah, it might have a couple games where they look great. Everyone's hot. Rankings look good. Lines move, but look for X, Y, and Z to, to bring them back to earth. There's kind of like a, like a sandbox that you expect them to play in. And one of the bets you're making is that they, they don't, they don't go out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, And a big part of just college basketball, uh, just betting in general is really teams are, are, are more, it's they're on ranges. So it's more of a dynamic rating than it is on, you know, a static rating. Um, just because like we've talked about, you know, 18 to 23 year olds, um, and the dynamic in which they're living their life, you know, I mean, these guys are, you know, I don't know, we're, we're not the oldest guys in the world, but we've got a little bit more perspective. And I think the, the older I get, the more you realize how young that age is. And, and obviously they're division one athletes and it's not like they're, you know, like frat bros going out to play basketball. But I mean, they are more, you know, they're not professional athletes and they, they're more susceptible to swings emotionally, uh, both positively and negatively, uh, whether that be coaching, crowds, distractions. Um, so yeah, you, you really you gotta, and this is really what I love about college basketball is it, it is a science and an art. Uh, you, you really have to kind of connect the dots with that and, um, you know, kind of play those edges and, and kind of, it's a good segue into the final conference that I cover, uh, which is the PAC 12 and, Pac-12, kind of standard year for the Pac-12. I do think they they don't right now have a national title contender, but I do think Oregon could get there. Um, I just really like the coach. I really like that they have a great offense. So the coach uh, is known for his defense. His defense is not that great this year, but he has a lot of freshmen who are contributing. And so as the year goes on, they're going to get more experience. He's going to be able to use them more and kind of defense is easier to coach. Yeah. Uh, systematically if that makes sense offense you really kind of need the talent uh, um but defense you, you know as the year goes on and he has a lot of four-star five-star talent uh when you have that athleticism you can you can coach that defense to them because a lot of that's effort you know obviously there's I'm, I'm oversimplifying it but it's easier to coach that into athletes than it is to coach into a jump shot or you know athletic prowess or whatever you know offensive skills Defense, it's more reactionary, using your wingspan, things of that nature. So I do think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12, even though they're pretty much power rated the exact same as Arizona. Um, but I'm ex- I'm expecting Oregon to have a higher ceiling. So I, I am on the Oregon train. I have them actually tonight. They're playing Arizona in, in Eugene. Uh, Arizona is talented. They're young. 
Uh, this is their first like real road game. They've played I think one neutral game and one away game. They both played played pretty poorly in that. Um, so I, I am banking on Oregon to, to, to take them home tonight. Um, but as the conference as a whole, you have Colorado and Washington and Stanford. Probably those two, maybe one of those three will make the tournament as well. So you've probably seen a max of four teams come out of the Pac-12, which is actually a good year for the Pac-12. Pac-12 has really kind of, you know, not been called a power conference lately. And, and really they've earned that. They really haven't had anyone go to the Final Four. They haven't had anyone really be a serious national title contender. The closest really has been Oregon. Although Arizona had some years, uh, three, four years ago, um, they had some pretty good runs, but could never kind of win in March. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. The Oregon team, I, just from doing this long enough via the coach and the uh, just just seeing the athletes they have, I, I really I, I think long term this is this is a team that could become a, easily become a title contender and the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, our Sun Devils, they're not doing too well there, Rob. Uh, some of the other major conferences, uh, or excuse me, m- bigger programs, UCLA, USC, they're, they're underwhelming as well. They're not going to make the tournament. Oregon State could sneak in, um, but but yeah. Uh, but yeah, anything jump out to you? I also want to come back and, and give like undervalued and overvalued teams for each of those conferences just so I can give maybe some tangible things for people to look at. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the. I don't love necessarily the telling people, oh, bet this, bet that, because I think this is more about educating. Uh, but I do want to give them some tangible things they can go out and watch and, and see if it comes to fruition or not. But yeah, before we do that, anything jump out to you about our, our lovely Pac-12? Yeah, I'm thinking about your comment about defense and kind of the coachability of that. I think this is a, a stupid question, but like the floor is much more crowded, like a half court game in college is much more crowded than a half court game in the nba right crowded in which way just because like the the, the, the floor, floor is actually yeah floor spacing is actually smaller and it just right. seems more like quick and intense so like i can envision that mattering more in college basketball than would in in for example the nba where like a one-on-one defensive matchup matters like a lot more in college of course they play more zone right yeah, yeah. I mean, you play the zone in the NBA, and they're just going to shoot the lights out out of you just because everyone is just that damn talented in the NBA. But, yeah, no, exactly. Schematically, it means more. Um, and it's also just program. You know, you you got guys buying into roles, and, and they're coming from the AAU circuit. So, really, it takes a it takes a, an actual coach to not only teach but to galvanize a unit, if that makes any sense. And it's such a, it's like a hybrid thing. So growing up, I was a, a big Gary Williams fan. He used to be like an old school coach at Maryland, and I love him to death. And and he is a great X's and O's coach. But if he were to do what he does now, you know, back then, now the kids, they would just look at him like when they're, you know, they would just transfer. Like he he would yell at them, and they would just transfer. You know what I mean? So you have, mm-hmm. have to have like this this kind of like in between where you are, you can coach, you have that talent, but you also play the AAU game you understand these athletes are you know one year away from being millionaires like stuff of that nature you know so it's <laughs> and that's something that Dana Altman has proven at Oregon the last couple of years with much less talented teams so this time last year Oregon um, they had a guy Bull Bull who was supposed to uh, you know be a superstar he gets hurt then he had like completely remake this team and they went from being like a you know, not going to make the tournament. So this time last year, so January 10th last year, they were the 44th team ranked in Kempom. They got as low in February to 67th. He gets them hot end of February, beginning of March. 
Um, they get into the turn. They win the Pac-12 tournament. They get a 12 seed. They win. They make it to the Sweet 16, and they lose to Virginia by four points, the eventual national champion. So, like, just he he's just got a record of being a really good coach, and it's mostly defensive prowess. So right now, he is. Uh, they're ranked seventh in offense and 66 in defense, whereas last year they were 74th in offense, 13th in defense. Um, you know, so defense is usually more of his calling card. So yeah, exactly. It's 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 just you know knowing the program in and out, and knowing you know they're playing a couple five stars who like didn't get to campus between. I think one of their rotation players just got to campus like three weeks ago. So it's like you know you're gonna built in that improvement. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of what we're looking at, at for them. Uh, hopefully that makes somewhat sense. Uh, and like I said, coaching matters. <laughs> coaching is important. <laughs> very, very important. Um, but yeah, so the PAC 12, let me give you some teams that I think are potentially overvalued or undervalued. Uh, Utah is undervalued. Uh, both the, so I look at Haslametrics, which is a, um, a different version. So Kempom looks at basketball in a certain manner and it's so built into the marketplace that it's almost, you just, you're not going to make any money knowing Kempom's rankings. It's just essentially, you know what the the market's going to be because you have access to their rankings. Um, so Kempom has them hundredth. Haslametrics, which I use has 61st. Then I use like a, uh, a spider, if you will, which is like the top, uh, I want to say 20 some rankings. So I, it's called the Massey index. So it's the top two. Wow. Shit. 53 rankings and including Ken Palm is in there, but it, it kind of like, you know, aggregates those and mm-hmm. they have it, they have them 66. So Utah is the top is 53 services. Yeah. Like ranking services. Ranking okay. services. Yeah. Ranking services. Exactly. So both Hasselmetrics and Massey uh, index have Utah about 30 spots higher. So Utah is definitely a, especially Utah at home. Utah has one of the best home court advantages with elevation, or excuse me, altitude. I don't, hopefully, you're not one of those snobby fucks that that you know get tripped up about that. It's altitude, not elevation. I, I met some guy who was really big into that, and I almost wanted to punch him in the face. But anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, so Utah is an underrated team, especially at home. Uh, USC and ASU is, is a polarizing team. I think both of them are slightly overrated, but they're not that good. Um, I think Oregon is, is slightly underrated, uh, and also Stanford just based on their performance. The only caveat with Stanford is, uh, they haven't played anybody. They have one of the softest schedules so far, uh, but based on performance wise, they, they should be better than Kemal has them 51st, uh, Haslametrics has them 25th, the index has them at 38. So that's a potential, uh, undervalued team there. Um, back to the, let's see, big 12. I think West Virginia is an underrated team uh, based on both Haslam metrics and uh, the uh, Massey index. Uh, I do think Texas Tech is a tad bit overrated now. They just had really, two really good performances. Actually, excuse me, they did lose to Baylor uh, two nights ago. But um, they haven't played anyone, uh, and it's more of their name. They were in the national championship last year. They just lost a lot from last year, so I do think they are overrated. Um, let's see any other teams I have from the big 12. Now they're pretty much appropriately rated. Something is wrong with Texas. Texas is just really falling off a map somehow. Um, but they're, they're not really that highly rated to begin with. Uh, Kansas state on the road is a team we're going to want to bet against. They're, they're pretty bad, but they do have a good home court. 
Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it in terms of just kind of standard blanket plays you'll be looking at. I'll definitely be – West Virginia's playing Texas Tech this weekend, so it's like a star's line, a team I like, a team I think is underrated playing a team that's overrated. So that'll probably be a two-unit play this weekend. Um, my hashtag lock of the week this weekend. Uh, um, moving on to our, our lovely Big Ten, I think both Maryland and Purdue are overrated. Maryland is the eighth right now, and Ken Palm was Hasselmetrics has them at 19. This is a team. They're two different teams when they play at home and a road. Tomorrow they're playing at Iowa. Iowa's a really good offensive team. Um, also, Maryland starts slow, so I'll have at least one unit on Iowa for the game and probably two units on the first half. I really like that play. That's actually my, my true hashtag lock of the week. Um, Purdue is just a, a, a team that they're just their offense has got real issues. Um, so, yeah, that's a team we're definitely trying to fade. Uh, Minnesota is a team we like. Minnesota is a team underrated. They're they're 17th in Hassle metrics, but 41st in Minnesota. They've lost the results based. You look at this Minnesota team. I think they have five or six losses. They have um, they have six losses already, but a lot of those games are close or to really good teams. They've played the 11th hardest schedule so far. So that's a team we're looking at. Uh, Rutgers, especially at home. Rutgers, really good team. Um, you know. They 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 they're Rutgers. You know, people don't like to hear that term, but they're they're a good team. They actually right now would should be in the tournament based on the rankings I use. So two teams that are underrated: Minnesota Rutgers. Two teams that are overrated: Maryland Purdue. Also Indiana on the road. We're going to want to bet against Indiana on the road. They barely beat Northwestern last night. Uh, this is a team that's like living off uh, playing a lot of easy home games during non-conference. They're young. I think in this in this kind of really tough ACC or I mean Big Ten. They're gonna they're gonna see some growing pains, and then last but certainly not least, uh, the ACC. I think North Carolina is finally maybe appropriately rated. I mean they're they're bad. They're really really bad. I was betting against them for a couple of weeks. A lot of my metrics just do not like any of the ACC teams. Virginia is is overrated. Florida State might be a team that might be underrated. They they've really looked pretty solid. They they handled Louisville on the road. Um, just a lot. Georgia Tech's underrated. They're a good team, uh, but we're not really a good good team. They're just not as bad as the rankings. Ken Palm has them 88th, um, but recently they've been playing like a top 50 team. <sighs> but a lot of this this year, and this kind of that concludes like the the teams, the blanket over on you know underrated, overrated. But to just talk about college basketball as a whole this year, the theme is there are no elite great teams. There are no elite great teams. So. Uh, well, you have some pretty complete teams and maybe Duke, Kansas, Michigan State. Those are probably the three clear best teams. They would probably be like fifth or sixth if we were looking at these teams last year. So just showing you that this is a, a more parity-driven uh, league or excuse me, year, and you're just going to need to use that to your advantage betting-wise where um, embrace the parity, right? So maybe a team that just came off a really embarrassing loss, that's usually a good sign to bet them their next game because it's just a lot of fluke results. It's not really like, Oh, we have one or two, three teams that are way above the rest. If that makes any sense. Um, there's never blanket statements where we can just say, Oh, you know, uh, you know, uh, blue moon comes out, you know, bet that this, it's never like that. Um, but, but it's definitely going to be more tipsy turvy type type of thing where, um, you're going to want to bet, you know, against a team that just looked really good on national television, or maybe had a two or three home games in a row looked really good. Now they're going playing a, a road game, 
You know, so it's, it's, it's angles like that, obviously more complex than that, but those are the type of angles you're going to have to use when, um, you know, other than just these blanket, or excuse me, these, these rankings that we use, at least that I use to find advantages. Uh, does any of that make sense or jump out to you there? No, makes sense. This is a, uh, it's a lot of moving parts, dude. You're definitely showing off your, uh, all the homework that you've done on it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what you have to do. And it, it's a lot of, you know, let's say I make 10 to 50, let's say I make 10 bets in a week. It's a lot of going six and four, four and six, five and five, four and six, five and five, six and four, and then having a week that's like nine and one. And then going, it's it just it, a lot of times just doing this long enough. Uh, and, you know, and I, and I post plays and I, I of course, I, I want them to win, but like, uh, I'm not going to post more plays because I know I'm actually, or or I'm not going to quote unquote bet more games because I'm posting them and and people want action. Like I've had people text me like, Oh, you know, awful quiet over there. Like, you know, I'm (laughs) only going to tweet stuff that I'm playing when I see an advantage. And, and one night there might be five games with advantage. There might be two or three nights in a row where there's no games in advantage, you know? And, and that's, that's the hardest part. I think the average person doesn't understand is, is, uh, you know, I, I can't just set a watch to, to plays coming out. I have to see an advantage, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, you got to be patient. And, and you know, it's, it, it's also fooling yourself. A lot of times you might make a close bet and then it ends up winning and then you get this false confidence when it was just absolute luck and randomness. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, it's just you know, we, we do the, the, <laughs> the, the disclaimer at the beginning of the show for a reason. Obviously, we have a little bit of fun with it, but it's true. It, it's I mean, I, I turn on these things on, on ESPN or, or FS1 and some of these, you know, stuff on the Internet. And it's just like just giving narrative based picks, you know, and it, it, it's just it's just they're throwing darts. That's all they're doing is throwing darts. And it's just dangerous because, you know, I've been I've done this for a while and, and I've just seen smarter people than I fall victim to that stuff. And, and, you know, when you start using narratives, I mean, don't get me wrong. I use somewhat narratives in my handicapping in terms of might be travel schedules or, 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 um, motivation angles. But when that's the, the, the main source of your handicap, uh, you know, you can just really get lost in translation there because it's, it, there's no objective data. It's all in your head, you know? So just something to consider and, remember that this is very very difficult and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be fun and it is fun and i love it but um just just a reminder to people that uh you know just like anything else you're not gonna wake up and the stock market's not gonna you know 10x your money you know and you shouldn't expect that from sports betting um but but yeah is that enough for my my soapbox or should i stay on or what's going on no that that's good i've got a topic i want to i want to wrap it up on okay Mike fucking Leach, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Mike Leach is the new head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs football team. Holy shit. Yeah, the Egg Bowl is prime time, dude. Egg Bowl is just fucking prime time telly. Had Why to not? have it there, dude. You you made a great call on. He like made a weird statement about his team before the bowl, and then they lost to to Air Force. And now he said now he's headed to Starkville. Yeah, yeah. So this was, uh, I remember before the AS, or excuse me, after the ASU game in October, and he like called his team fat and lazy, and it was just like, and then I we did our bowl podcast, and I looked at the spread, and like they were only favored by three points, or like Air Force was favored by three points, and it was just like I've done this long enough, where it's like something, there's smoke here, you know, like there's something up. So I wasn't so surprised. 
Um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a he's a he's a weird individual. I just say weird because I, I have respect for him, and I think more people should be their hashtag true selves uh, like he. But just like anything else, that that kid's old after a while, and uh, I think maybe maybe his voice got a little old. And it's also, it, it, I mean, Pullman's a freaking hard place to recruit to, man. I mean, not that Starkville's the easiest, but like. <laughs> You know, you're on you're on the Idaho fucking Washington border, dude. Like it's tough to recruit yeah. there. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean I'm optimistic. Um SEC football is, is is just a lot of fun and it just got it's just got more fun. So I'm excited. Lane Kiffin, I'm still Lane Kiffin's still my boy, but I mean SEC West coaches, dude, what a bunch of fucking goons. What a bunch of goons. That's what sells now. You gotta get someone who's gonna shake it up. That's it, dude. All right, man. Well, um, wish uh, wish you and, and yours a, a enjoyable weekend. Thank you to our our, um, our our listeners who are who are slugs, not thugs. Okay, <laughs> don't want people thinking we called you all uh, thugs. We called you slugs because you're so you're so nice to us. That's why. That's Just right. a bunch of nice slugs. Kind and of and please keep downloading and sharing. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, reach out with any any feedback, and uh, we'll talk to you all shortly. Peace.